My name is Matt, and we're going to start off a brand new series this week called Knuckleheads, right? And I wanted to start it to kind of tell you, like, why are we calling this Knuckleheads, right? And so in the Gospel of Mark, like if you open up your New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you look in Mark, Mark records a story in there about a father who brings his sick son to the disciples, hoping that the disciples can heal him. But the disciples can't. And when the disciples can't heal the son, this whole little ruckus erupts. It gets chaotic. And there's debate, and there's arguments, and there's all this stuff going on. And as all of that is happening between the father, the neighbors, and the disciples, Jesus walks into the scene. He'd been off doing something else. And when Jesus walks up to this ruckus, he says, like, guys, what's going on? And so the father lets him know, hey, I brought my son to get healed. Your disciples can't do it. And Jesus asks some questions. And then the father says, if you could help my son. And Jesus says, if I... And you're just kind of like, you know, what? Did I hear you right? If I can help? And the Father's response is, I think, one of the most beautiful responses in all of the Scripture. And the Father responds this way. He says, immediately, as soon as Jesus says, if I, the Father immediately says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, I think that's beautiful, right? Like, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And that is kind of the baseline, the heart, the foundation of this series we're calling Knuckleheads, because that we do believe. Everybody in this room believes at some level something, but yet there's also something that God's trying to teach us that we're having a hard time receiving. That's why I say that we're all unbelievers. Everybody in this room is an unbeliever. There is something that God is currently trying to teach you, and you're just having a hard time receiving it. Why? Because you're a knucklehead. And so am I. I'm a knucklehead. God is trying to teach me about faith. I have people texting me things. I'm not even asking them to text me. All right? People are coming up and praying for me on things that I'm not even asking for. Right? Because I know that's something God is trying to currently teach me about increasing my faith in His goodness and who He is. And yet, for some reason, I am being a knucklehead and I'm having a hard time receiving it. Several months ago, on my Saturday reading rhythms, I came across Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3. And I put this as the first scripture in your insert today, if you want to pull that out, because we're going to use this a lot today. And this is the scripture that when I read it, I'm like, man, is that not knuckleheads? All right? And it's been circled, and I've even shared it from the stage once or twice. I know I've talked to several of you about this scripture, but this is just gives you a great idea of why we got this circle here in this, in this graphic. God says to Moses, you've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Right? And that is true for every knucklehead. You've circled the issue of parenting. You've circled the issue of finances. You've circled the issue of your marriage. You've circled the issue of your laziness. You've circled the issue of your anxiety. You've circled the issue of your rest and Sabbath. And you just keep circling it and you keep circling it and you keep circling it. And God says to you today, and he says to me, enough. We're going to turn north. And so like when Curtis sings that song, Death Was Arrested, like my heart for this series, we've been working on it for so long, is that we are in the, did you guys know we're in harvest season? I grew up in a farm. They're cutting rice back in Light, Arkansas. I love the smell. The tires running through that mud mixed with the grain and the stock. It creates this awesome smell. I, just, I, I can smell it right now when I talk about it. I love it. Right? We are in harvest season. And it is time for you to reap the harvest of your life where you say, no more. I'm going to go north. And so that's where we're going to do over the next four weeks. Today is going to be unique in that I'm going to respond today to the survey results which meant that I kind of wrote four different messages this week because every service had different results 
when we took the survey. A few weeks ago, we said, hey, take this survey, your top three issues. Here's what you guys said at 845, okay? Now, you can't read that. So is there a slide before that, Gabby? <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe not. Here were your top three issues, and you can, I'll, you can just have to trust me. But this is right off of the results page. And your top three were rest and Sabbath, right? That was your top issue. That's the big green line. The next one was finances and generosity, right? Your third line was um, other, which there was a lot of stuff that actually correlated to other things. Some people would just like to top stuff in. But the fourth one is anxiety. And so the top three issues at 845, so what I did is I took all the results and I filtered down who was at Shawnee campus and who was at 845, and this is what the 845 crowd said. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, but I'm not going to talk to you about money. I'm going to talk about rest and Sabbath, okay? Because some of you are like, oh, here comes money talk. We're going to do that later in the, later in the year, right? Because that is important, because that is a stressor based on what the survey results are, Right? But today we're going to start with the very top result, rest and Sabbath. Now, I do want to quickly speak to those of you who are like, man, I wish you'd talk about money because I'm struggling. Let me just kind of give you three, three quick little deals. I'm not going to teach them. I'm just going to give you three lines. It's in your insert. You can fill them in, all right? Number one, when it comes to your money, let me set this up. The number one thing church people don't want to do is tithe, right? You just don't want to do it, right? And that's fine. What I want to help you uncover is your own personal theology of generosity. If you don't want to tithe, at least decide in your head and heart what you want to do. So these are my three points to help you get there. Number one is this. You don't have to give. You get to give. Do you see the difference in your thinking right there? If you have to give stuff back to God, keep it. God don't want it. The scriptures say that God wants a cheerful giver. So right away, it's in your thinking. You don't have to give. You get to give. Number two. So what do you want to give? That's what you get to decide. You're a grown person. It's, it's the resources God's entrusted to you. So if you get to give, what do you want to give back? And number three is do not, don't give an amount. Give a percentage. Decide upon it a percentage that you want to give. And it be something that you can do with, from the goodness of your heart. If it's 0.01%, have a ball, right? If it's 100%, have a ball. Just, but it's what you have decided in your heart that you're going to do. So those are my three quick money, uh, quick tips for developing your own theology of generosity. And some of you, listen, you've circled that issue long enough. Your way don't work or you wouldn't be circling the mountain. Okay, so quit being a knucklehead. Turn north. You with me? If you want to keep circling, keep circling. But God's given you permission to turn north. Enough's enough, he says. You've circled this thing long enough. Go north. Now, let's talk about the primary issue from the survey results. And um, really, the teaching today is basically me just reading you scripture. And it's all here in your, um, in your insert. And the question that I'm going to ask you is very much what we talk about in our discipling is, what is God saying to you based on this scripture? I don't want you to rest or Sabbath because Matt Miller told you something. That's not important. I can only motivate you for a limited amount of time. But God's Word has the opportunity to, like a seed, plant itself in your heart and produce fruit in you. And so, now you may be like, man, I don't struggle with this one. I'm just going based on the survey, okay? So maybe God will speak. If not, I'm doing anxiety at 10, right? So you can stick around for the 10 o'clock if you're worried about this message. Okay. Let's start with two, let's start with two um, kind of foundational on maybe why we should rest in Sabbath. Psalm 127, 1 and 2. If the Lord does not build a house, then those who build it work in vain. If the Lord does not guard a city, then the watchman stands guard in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise early, come home late, and work so hard for your food. Yes, he can provide for those whom he loves even when they sleep. What do you hear in that? Why are you killing yourself? Why are you working so hard towards this end? And God's not a part of it. If God's not in it, then it's in vain. Right? Let's look at the next scripture. John 15, 5 through 6. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. How much can you accomplish? But you're like, wait a minute, though. Time out, time out, time out. I don't currently sit with Jesus consistently, and I'm accomplishing a lot of things. My dishes are done. My laundry's folded. I got my project done at work this week. So this scripture doesn't seem to be true. You can accomplish things and be plumb wore out. You guys realize that, right? And so let's continue on to see what Jesus is saying here. Because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up. And such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. Man, that just seems so harsh that if I don't spend time with Jesus, he's going to cut me off and burn me up and throw me to the side. I thought Jesus loved me. The reason I put that scripture in here was several weeks ago, me and Jen were talking about people that we know that are in a relationship with that have used this term with me. I'm just burned out. They're volunteering. They're serving. They're working. They're moms and dads. And they say things like, I'm just burned out. And I was like, how do you help somebody that's burned out not be burned out? And the next day I read John 15. How do you not get burned out? Stay attached to the vine. Let's read this again with the mindset of, am I burned out? I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. If you do not remain in Jesus, Jesus, uh, you, you will be thrown out like a branch and dries up. And such people, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned out. Like you're, you're just wore out. And I, I want to, I uh, Dennis, can we go back to the survey results real quick? Just, just to kind of put that graph back up. I'm going to have to get close. Excuse me for just a second here. You guys did pretty good at, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The seventh issue on you guys was I don't read my Bible. Oh, looky there. Somebody's got a, a, a sniper rifle. Oh, that's awesome. Um, um, well, I can't point it. I'm too shaky. So, um, can I tell you a secret about the 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock, number one was anxiety across the board. Huge. You know what two and three were? I don't Sabbath. I don't read my Bible. What's our number one in here? I don't rest in Sabbath, right? Number three was anxiety. And down in there is I don't read my Bible. When you, when you separate, when you're too busy... When you're too busy to rest and Sabbath, and when you're too busy to sit down with Jesus and spend time with Him, guess who, guess who has to carry it all? You know who has to carry it all, right? Get out your phone and take a picture of yourself. Take a selfie. Like when you, when you say, I don't have... Like if you're wore out, the most important thing for you to do is to spend time with Jesus. If you're exhausted, if you're struggling, like the, that, is the, that is the key issue, this idea of relationship. Because when we spend time with Jesus, we don't get burned out. We're able to listen to him. Now, listen, I've said the word relationship, not Bible reading, not Bible study. Those are two different things. You can know a lot about Scripture and also have zero relationship with Jesus. 
I know a lot of stuff about the WWE and Vince McMahon. I like professional wrestling. I know I, I, can, I can outquiz anybody in this room about WWE and Vince McMahon. But if Vince McMahon walked in that room right now, he don't know me from Adam. But I could tell you all kinds of things about him. But I have zero relationship. Because I've never sat down with him. He doesn't know my story. I know parts of his that they report about. But I don't know what it was like for him growing up as a kid. I don't know what he played as a, when he was a young boy. I don't know if he ever had his heart broke. Right? I, I, we don't know those things. Relationship, man, when you have time to sit with Jesus and just talk to him and learn from him, you're like, man, that's so weird. Maybe. But if you're burned out and wore out and give out and tired out, you might just try anything. If you labor in vain, if you're burned out, let's see what Jesus wants to do. So let's go down to the Old Testament. There's maybe some support of why we should. Let's, now let's get to the remedy. How do we fix this? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. This is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Commandment number three. Remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. By the way, this is your devotions for the week. God commands people, made the top ten, remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. For six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your kids or your servants or your cattle or the foreign exchange student living in your house. I have one of those. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. What's, what's God say to you in that scripture? Don't, don't yeah, but it away. You know, yeah, but, yeah, but. Don't do that yet. You can do that later, right? Just simply, like, this is yours. You can take this home with you. What does God say to you? He tells us to remember the Sabbath. Why do we have to remember it? Because we got stuff to do. I'm busy. Who in this room has so much time that you can take a completely day off from all of your chores and activities and work so that you can simply lay back and let your body rest? I don't have that day. Now, even the retired folks find themselves staying busy, right, Charlie? You always got something going on. But God says, remember the Sabbath day. Okay, let's turn it over. Let's keep going. Maybe God hasn't spoken to you yet. Colossians 2, verses 16 through 17. Now we're in the New Testament. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you with respect to food or drink, or in the matter of feast, new moons, or Sabbath. These are only the shadow of the things to come, but the reality is Christ. This is the one scripture that people try to use to say that you shouldn't Sabbath or you don't have to anymore. And if you read it from our Western uh, church experience, people that have grown up outside of the things of the earliest church and their practices of, of, because they were all Jewish people, then we read it as, oh, we don't have to be judged that we don't do those things. But if you read it through the lens of a person who is practicing them, right? So let's say that you were practicing Sabbath and you weren't working on a specific day of the week and your neighbors are like, what's wrong with you? Why won't you do this? Why won't you go with me? Why won't? And they begin to judge you. And so if you read it through, a, through the lens of a person who is doing these things, the writer says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you with respect to food or drink or in the matter of feast, new moon, or Sabbath. These are only the shadow of the things to come, but the reality is Christ. They say, see, but it's just a shadow. You don't have to do it. It's a shadow. You don't have to do it. What is a shadow? Have you ever thought about a shadow? Like, here's my shadow. What is that a shadow of? The real thing. Right? 
So what we do now, these rhythms that we have of abiding with Christ, these rhythms of Sabbath, they are simply the shadow. They're things that aren't fully there yet. The reality is Jesus, one day, when you when you no longer breathe and your heart's no longer beating and we're with Jesus forever and for eternity, we're going to Sabbath all the time because then it's the real thing. But right now, we're in the shadow of the real thing. And so we do the best we can in the shadow of the real thing until the real thing is really here. Is that confusing? But he's, it's there. Christ cast a shadow. The truth cast a shadow that we need to stay in as best as we understand it. And people are going to think you're odd and you're weird. What do you mean you don't work on a, a day a week? What do you mean you don't do those things? And they're going to ask you. I get asked this question all the time. People think I'm weird. People think I'm trying to be Jewish. And you know the scriptures that come through my mind when I get challenged on this? Enter through the narrow gate. That's what I think. Enter through the narrow gate, for few find that path. But why does the path... Listen, I'm not wore out. I'm not exhausted. Man, I look forward. Listen, I don't have to Sabbath. I get to Sabbath. Oh, it's kind of like that money thing. Oh, there's no way I could ever give, Matt. You don't understand. I can never give. I can never give. I can never give. Same conversation. Oh, I can never Sabbath. You don't understand my work schedule. I can never. I can never. I can never. I know. Yeah, I know. Let's continue on. I know I'm poking, but I'm just responding, right? Sabbath is a gift. Mark 2, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for who? Okay, I want you to scratch out people and I want you to write your name. Sabbath was made for Cole. Sabbath was made for Randy. Sabbath was made for Rick. Sabbath was made for Matt. Sabbath was made for you, right? Not you for the Sabbath. God gives you this big honking gift. Every day, every week, I want you to take a break. And you're like, Matt, there's no way I can do that. Do you know what I have to get done? Let's quickly turn back to Psalms 127, last sentence. Yes, he can provide for those whom he loves, even when they what? Oh, wait, you mean what? God gives you a gift. And he says, for six days of the week, I want you to bust your butt. For six days of the week, you better be fruitful and multiply. Even if you're retired, he expects you to be fruitful and multiply, to accomplish something, right? To make disciples who make disciples, to make your neighborhood better, to to be a blessing to your family. For six days a week, man, you better roll and go and do it. And then on the seventh, man, I'm going to let you chill because Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. It's a gift. I think it's pretty cool. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Look at this next one. Jesus says, hey, all you tired people, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Well, how's he going to do that? Take my yoke on you and, what's that next word? Learn from me. Because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. Do you think Jesus observed the Sabbath? He pinned the Sabbath. Like what? Where was Jesus in the Old Testament? He was the one talking to Moses on the mountain. He's the one that said, Moses, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. For I created for six days and on the seventh day I rested. Don't separate Jesus from the commandments. He wasn't. When when God gave the commandments to Moses, Jesus wasn't over in the corner going, I would do it different. I I would do it different. 
No, he was there. He is God. He, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus says, hey, come to me. And I know no one else in your life is going to do this. I know, I know. But they're wore out and they will figure it out. You come to me and you learn my rhythms. You take, take my yoke and put it upon you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But we don't want to do that, right? We want to continue to circle the mountain and not resting and not having a Sabbath and then saying to God, God, I'm just so tired. God, I'm just so wore down. God, I'm just so defeated. Come to me, Jesus says. Not come to Matt. Come to me. Kathy Carr, take Kathy Carr to coffee. Buy it. Don't make her buy. Buy it. And let her tell you her Sabbath rest story. Right? Kathy has one. God changed her life. It's pretty fun. Talk to Charlie and Anita. Talk to Thomas back there. I don't know. There's probably several of you that have a good Sabbath rhythm going on. Um, it, it, it's fun. It's fun. But getting there is not fun. But I'm going to get you there in just a second. You ready? Last one. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack some things. Nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my strength. Man, who doesn't want that? Even if you're full of energy. Does that not just sound fun? That you can lack nothing and that he takes you to lush pastures and leads you to refreshing water. He restores my strength every single week. God wants to do that. Because from our rest, we got six more days of work. And then there's that Saturday coming. Six more days of uh, work, and then we hit, that, we hit that Sabbath. Now, I think that there were some uh, average... I put some Sabbath questions on the screen. I know they didn't make the, the insert because of space. But here are common questions regarding Sabbath and rest that I get. Can I Sabbath on any day of the week, or is the Sabbath a specific day? Okay, great question. So, before I answer it, do you want like the fuzzy answer or do you want what I really believe? Good. That's what I was going to give you anyway. Okay. You, words are important. Words are important. And if you were to do a word search on the word Sabbath, and I did this this week, but you can do it on your own. Just go to BibleGateway.com and type in Sabbath and just look at all of the references to the word Sabbath. Most times, Sabbath re- represents a certain day, not a time of rest. On the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath, so they went to the synagogue. On the, on the Sabbath, they went. On the Sabbath, they were walking through the fields and they were grabbing grain, right? So in Scripture, Sabbath always points to a certain day, and that day is Saturday, right? So words are important. So what day is the Sabbath? What is the day that God set aside and made holy? He worked for six days, uh, Sunday through Friday, and then Saturday is rest. That's the Sabbath. That's what that word means in Scripture, okay? You can rest... Any day of the week, right? You can rest any day of the week you want to. But if you rest on Saturday, that's the Sabbath. So if you say, I take my Sabbath on Tuesday, in my head that doesn't make any sense. You can say, I take a day off on Tuesday and that's my day of rest. That's totally fine and totally legit. But Sabbath, that word is important and that word means Saturday. All right? Next question. I thought Sabbath was on Sunday. A lot of people think that because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, right? Well, that's why we think it, right? You grew up in a home, maybe, or you had neighbors that they weren't allowed to play on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. And Sunday is the Lord's Day, right? Sunday was the day that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, the first day of the week, right? But it didn't get changed by, by the Father's wording. Like, you can read through the Bible, and you're not going to find anywhere where God says, I'm moving the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. You can, however, go through history and see how Constantine changed it from Saturday to Sunday. Like, it's been changed. 
Right? We, we all grow up knowing that Sunday is the day that we don't work, but we do all kinds of stuff on Saturday. And that's why if you don't do all kinds of things on Saturday, like you choose the Sabbath, you're going to be thought of as weird. I'm just telling you, you're going to be thought of as weird. When you won't do your laundry, or you won't do your yard work, or you won't do any type of work that you call work, because on the Sabbath you do what you get to, not what you have to. Right? Sabbath is the one day of the week where you should never say, I just didn't have time to sit with God. Right? Because that's all you have time for. But it's good to take a day off. Like if you say, let's just start in this, right? I'm not going to hold a gun to your head and say, if you don't take Saturday off, you're not a good Christian. I'm not saying that. Don't hear that from me. I'm saying words are important. And when you Sabbath, that means you take a day off on Saturday. Take a day off on Tuesday if that's what you get and give that day to the Lord and worship Him and love Him and let your body heal, right? Does that make sense? So here we go. Let's do some application. Stop circling and turn north. Okay, you ready? This is your work. You mean I'm going to have to work during this series of knuckleheads? Absolutely. Absolutely. Number one is this. List out the reasons you can't or don't Sabbath. List them out. The band's going to come up and we're going to do communion in just a moment. List out the reasons that you can't or don't rest or Sabbath. Now notice I put this quotation on there because I'm serious about this. Write it down. Get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper. Matt, what do you mean? I mean... Everyone in this room who doesn't currently have a day off a week, you've got to get out of your head and you've got to write it down. Can I just tell you my observation? I've been doing ministry for 20 years. I've been doing discipling stuff for the last four and a half. This is just a complete factual statement. People that I know who do not write down this stuff never change. Oh, no, it's, it's right here. I got it locked in. No, you live in your head. And you've got to write down, these are the reasons that I don't Sabbath. These are my yeah buts. Matt, I would do it, but you don't understand I have to work on Saturday. My boss always schedules me. Write it down. You may have three things. You may have 33 things. I have no idea. But you have to list down every single yeah but on why you're not doing this. Why you're still, why you're still, why you're still not resting and Sabbathing. Write them down. Am I being clear? Because I know some of you are going, I'm not going to do that. And guess what? You're going to keep circling this mountain because you will not change. Because here's the second step. You look at your list and you ask yourself on every single one of those, are these worries, are these concerns bigger than my God? Matt, I can't Sabbath specifically on Saturday or let's not even make it so spiritual. Matt, I can't take a day off in the week because I just got too much to do. I'm a single parent or I've got 17 kids, whatever it is, right? And you just list out your reason on why you can't. And then you see number two and you say, okay, is the reason that I have all of these kids or I'm a single parent or I work too much, is that problem bigger than my God? You have to ask yourself that hard question. And if your honest answer is, yeah, I don't think God could do that, then you don't have a Sabbath and rest problem. You have a God problem. You're having a hard time realizing who God is in your life. Because if your problem is bigger than your God, then your problem is your God. Because God has to be the biggest baddest, coolest thing in the room. And if the thing on your list, I don't care what it is, you may not even have an issue with Sabbath. It might be something completely different. But if the thing on your list is bigger than, like if you say, I can't, or this can never, or yeah, but, and you get to number two, and you still stay there, you don't have a problem problem. You have a God problem. And you need to walk with somebody through that, and they need to, you need to begin to research the scriptures to see what God says about himself. Think about it like this. This is a silly one, but it works. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've confessed him to be the Lord of your life, there's also this connection that you think that you're going to go to heaven when you die, which you will. 
Isn't it odd that we can trust God to keep us out of hell and get us to heaven for all of eternity, but he can't handle the things on your list? To me, that's silly. Of course he can. Now, if your honest answer is, yeah, God is bigger than my list, right? I'm just just struggling. God is bigger than my list. Then let's look at number three. Rest and Sabbath is your mountain. Write out a detailed plan and turn north. Now, what I just said is very fuzzy because you don't know what those things mean, right? But if, if you know that God can handle your list of reasons why you're not doing something, then you've got to attack each one and say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus with this. Here's my plan on how I'm going to do that. I shoulds, I need tos are not allowed on your list. I will by a certain date. Like you're going to give yourself a timeline. Now, here's how I want to help. Um, we are getting into a season where we're going to be launching some new discipling groups. And they're going to be taking place. Those new groups are going to launch in the month of January. And to prepare us for those groups and to see if that is something that you want to engage in, because I get a lot of questions. We as a staff get a lot of questions about our discipling process. We're, we are doing a specific city group that's starting in October that is to provide a pathway. It's called Exploring Discipleship. It's going to be a six-week city group that's starting in October, and it's for anyone and everyone who is curious about New City Church's discipling process. And if you want to be a part of that group, that city group, all you need to do is take out your Connect card, put your name and your email on that, and write D group at the bottom, and we're going to get you the information. It's going to be a large city group. You're going to be invited. Myself or Pastor Casey is going to lead it. And there's going to be other people in the room who are about to start discipling groups that you're going to have the opportunity to meet and to mingle with and say, hey, could I learn from that person? And it is our hope and desire that from that group, you identify people that you want to walk with that can help you turn north and attack that mountain. Amen? And so if you get into the city group and you're like, this is not for me, it's safe, right? You just say, hey, this is not for me, and you bail on the city group. No pressure, no harm, no foul. But this is a great, easy step that's going to start in October. But the first step is for you to let us know. Now, the second thing I'm going to offer this week for those at the 845 is to do a daily devotional with you, just you specifically. And that's going to be done through email. And so for the next five days, starting tomorrow, I'm going to email you every day just a scripture with a couple of questions for you to process and think about concerning this issue of rest and Sabbath. If you want to be a part of that, right, I'm going to email this entire congregation based on that sign up, right? But if we don't have your email, you won't get that. And so make sure that your email address is on a connect card and that you turn that in in a moment. And that way you'll be able to get the devotion that we'll send out to the 845 crowd. Is that cool? We want to walk with you. Now, why? It goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 3, where God says to Moses, you've circled this mountain long enough, now turn north. Uh, Anita Blair, Charlie's wife, told me this. And Anita, thank you so much for sharing this with me. Do you know what north was? This is so crazy. North is where the danger was. North was where all the enemies were. North is where 40 years prior, before the Israelites roamed in the desert, north is where the spies went and came back and said, we can't go there. They're bigger, they're badder than we are. And so they spread lies through the camp and it scared the people and they voted not to go. And God got aggravated at them and said, fine, for 40 years you're going to roam here until all of you naysayers are gone and the next generation is here. And now everybody's died out, and they're, except for Joshua and Caleb, and the new generation has grown up. And he says, now go north. He could have told them to go east, west, south, and it would have been an easy pathway. But he said, turn north. So I'll tell you that to say this. 
it's not going to be easy. And there's going to be things that you're going to see and you're going to go, no way. There's going to be times when you're going to be faced with a situation. You're like, no way, this is too hard. I'm going to quit. And listen, you've circled it long enough. Don't be a knucklehead. Give it to the Lord. Let Jesus lead you. Here's the fun thing. God didn't say, go north, I'll catch you on the other side. He said, I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to lead you, and you're never, ever going to be alone. And then Jesus tells the church, he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Jesus tells the church, when you draw near to me, I draw near to you. Man, step into this. Step into it. There is an opportunity for harvest in your heart. And when harvest takes place in your heart, it begins to make its way into your life. And you begin to live and act differently than you've ever done before. And people go, wow, there's something different about you. You're weird. That's right, baby. I'm weird on purpose. Because I once was a knucklehead. But I received what Jesus was saying to me and forward. Amen?